Welcome. This is the She's Capable podcast with Christelle, Shelby, and Ashley. We want to champion you, have real discussions on real issues, and have fun. We want you to thrive spiritually, emotionally, and in your practical life. Hi, welcome back to the She's Capable podcast. This is Shelby, and I'm here today with Tom Cole. Hello, good morning. And Tom and his wife, Donna, they are speakers in our internship uh, that I've shared a little bit about, but um, they have a really powerful testimony that they carry, and it's they take that all over the world. They have um, a ministry called Pure Heart Ministries, and um, you should really look into their stuff. We can even attach a, a link to their book in our notes, but they have an incredible testimony of just how God has changed their lives, lives and brought them out of some brokenness and brought healing, and now they get to travel the world and share that kind of with other people and they get to share like a message of inner healing and walking people through that. And so I know personally for my own life, it's impacted me. And every time they come up here and visit, it's so powerful for all of our students. So we just wanted to share um, some of Tom's story with you guys as listeners and just hear his thoughts. So we're so excited to have you, Tom. I'm so glad to be here. Um, But yeah, yeah, we just wanted to first get into a little bit of your story and your background because it is a really powerful testimony of just how God has moved. Um, but yeah, if you want to just kind of get into that, like even sure. how that looked. Yeah. Well, I, I like to tell people that I grew up in a, a, just an all-American, normal, dysfunctional family. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it wasn't all this craziness. There wasn't violence in the home. Mm. Uh, there wasn't screaming and yelling, but there was just a, a real underlying uh, sense of brokenness. My dad was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about alcoholic homes, you learn not to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. You just don't talk about it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I ever even acknowledged that my father was an alcoholic until I was much, much older mm-hmm. because you just learn. It's an underlying message. We don't talk about these yeah. things. So it was very, very surfacey. Um, my parents stayed married their entire life until my mom passed away. Um, so there was some normalcy but there was that underlying dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And I was a super sensitive, tender hearted Mm -hmm. feeler. Um, And my dad was very stoic, unemotional, kind of your typical man. Yeah. Like a man's man. Man's man, loves sports, Mm -hmm. um, watch sports all the time. And I was uh, uncoordinated and Mm -hmm. more on the artistic creative side. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't love sports and, uh, and so we didn't connect. There was no real emotional connect. You know, I found out later my grandfather served in World War One and came home very damaged from mm-hmm. that. And so he had post-traumatic stress disorder and alcoholism. He drank to, to drown his pain mm-hmm. away. And my dad really didn't have a dad growing up because yeah. his dad was an alcoholic and broken. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get anything like love and tenderness. So he didn't have it to give. Yeah, he didn't know how to how to do that. No, no. And he didn't know how to deal with me because I was just, I was so sensitive. I would cry at just about anything. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it frustrated him. So there was a real disconnect between me and my father. And my mom was very nurturing, but probably overprotective of me because mm-hmm. she saw that sensitivity in me. Yeah. And uh, it would have been good if she would have like pushed me out of the nest a little bit yeah. and, and let me get hurt a little more just to kind of toughen my hide. But she didn't. 
Um, and then uh, I didn't fit in with my peers because mm-hmm. I, I was sensitive and creative. And so I got along with the girls in the neighborhood better than the boys. Yeah. Um, and then I, I experienced on two occasions, one at the age of four, kind of an ongoing sexual abuse by an mm-hmm. older guy in the neighborhood. And then at the age of eight, another older boy um, sexually abused me. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think that just brought in such confusion. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I wanted attention for males, but that wasn't what I was looking for. I wanted yeah. to be part of what they were doing, yeah. you know? And so that just, I think, caused such confusion. So yeah, when identity, I went to, probably. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, I just thought, oh, this is, uh, I'm, something's wrong with me. Yeah. And I really blame myself for the sexual abuse, which, mm. you know, we know now that, I mean, they're saying now one in four men have been sexually abused, wow. one in three women, but the oh. numbers that's reported. Yeah. So I believe it's much higher than that. Yeah. And, and people I think have thought it's mostly women, you know, and oh, now totally. it's shifted and people are realizing this happens to men as oh, well. Tremendously. Uh, you know, there's a woman who works just with women. She's a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And she said, because men are more shamed about it, mm-hmm. that, and, and it hasn't been something that you know, with me too, people are starting to share more about it, but not men so much. Yeah. And so she thinks it's really probably double that mm. um, because men don't report. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so I grew. I, I had a lot of shame, and then going through teen years, as I went through puberty and starting sexually awakened, yeah, I found myself attracted to men, not boys my age, actually men. And this was the seventies, and it was mm-hmm. not cool or hip no. to be gay. No. Um, and I would read things about homosexuality and think, oh, that must be who I am. Hmm. And uh, I think because I was sensitive and creative, um, other boys would call me faggot, queer, yeah. sissy. Um, so I just started taking on an identity yeah. that that must be who I am. But mm-hmm. I was very secretive about it. Um, didn't share that with anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I didn't feel like I could. Mm-hmm. And then uh, went to college at nineteen and. Uh, met my first openly gay person in college mm. and they shared that with me and I shared it with them. I said, I'm gay too. And mm. it, all I could tell you is it was like this burden was lifted off because it yeah. was such a secret for such a long time mm-hmm. that I felt oh, I could, like I could like just I could breathe. Finally tell someone. Yeah. And I don't have to live two lives anymore. Mm. So then I just started telling my friends and my family, never talked to my mom and dad about it. Mm. Um, uh, they knew, but it was just Not just like about. just like the alcoholism. We didn't talk about it. Yeah. And uh, my younger brother was gay as well, and he had a lover and lived with him. So mm. I mean, that was talked about, but not a lot. Yeah. So yeah, and then I just threw myself in for the next seven years. This is who I am. I was born this way. That's who I'll be. Yeah. Um, I didn't. We didn't. We were not raised Christian. Okay. So I didn't have a Christian influence in my life. I was really humanistic and just believed in, you know, that we all came from the slime and, um, there was no God, but I was miserable. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, I, I felt such an ache and an emptiness Mm -hmm. inside that, that what I thought would fulfill didn't. Yeah. I was so empty and so miserable and I drank more, did Mm -hmm. more drugs, had more sex to try to drown the pain and the ache that was there. And I think that's surprising to people because they think like, Oh, when I come out as a homosexual or if I tell people I'm gay, I'm going to be accepted and I'm going to feel good about myself Absolutely. instead of like, I've been hiding it for so long and they might feel that relief. Like you even felt originally, but it's not 
like you're saying it's not wasn't satisfying what was really the no because really it's it's a broken place within us we're trying to fix with something already broken so it it just doesn't work like it's interesting because you see like in the cities that are most openly gay and accepted Mm -hmm. uh you would think that okay there would be less suicide less drug abuse less depression but it's higher it's not lower it's Mm -hmm. higher and they're even finding like people who transition um from from you know male to female you know and they have surgeries that after the surgery, they're more depressed than they were before wow. because they think they can fix it with a surgical thing. And it really is, I, I believe, a deeply spiritual and emotional issue. Yeah. So I was miserable, tried to kill myself on several occasions, mm. thankfully was unsuccessful. Wow. And it was really through the witness of a woman I worked with who knew Jesus and loved me mm. and her steady love towards me, mm. never pointing out my sin, just loving me and sharing Jesus with me that I finally accepted Christ in November of 1986. Mm. And uh, really everything changed. At that point. (laughs) Yeah. I I wasn't instantly delivered from things. Yeah. Uh, I had to walk through a lot of healing and and, and, uh, deal with my woundedness. Yeah. Layers of it, I'm sure. Layers of it. But I had hope for the first time. And I mean, my eyes were open and I really did. I like, I, I knew I was... I was his. I knew mm-hmm. that he was mine. I knew that my sins were forgiven. Mm-hmm. Shame was broken off. Yeah. Um, and it, that was, a, again, 1986, the church didn't talk about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I did. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't hide my past life or yeah. my current struggles. So I was very honest about where I was when people had asked me if I wanted prayer. And uh, what I found is people started being honest with me about their stuff. They're like, oh, we can talk about that? They were like almost surprised at first. Like, I can't believe you would say that. (laughs) Right. Right. And then it's like, it almost opens the door. Like, well, if he's actually confessing real things that he's dealt with, then maybe I can confess real things that I'm dealing with. And that's what I saw. Wow. And and so I found uh, so many people were like, oh, we can talk about things like this. (laughs) You know, our pain, our hurt, Mm -hmm. things that happened to us, you know, things we're currently dealing with. And. Um, and then, uh, in the midst of that, I met a woman who came out of homosexuality as well. We were both in a, in accessory prayer group together yeah. and, uh, we, we struck up a, a really close friendship that, mm. um, over the next couple of years, we were very, very close, best friends. Mm. Um, and then our emotions started changing towards each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we both really didn't know what to do with that. Yeah, I'm sure. She was gay and only with women. I was gay and only with men. And here's a You're woman and man coming together. Oh, it was so weird. Um, but it was undeniable. Mm. And um, so we uh, started dating mm. and then we were engaged and, and got married. And I'd love to say it was just this beautiful, easy transition, <laughs> but we were still so broken, both yeah. of us, and uh, and we didn't know how to relate to the other yeah. in that way. And uh, so we had uh, our first year of marriage was horrible <laughs> and difficult and painful, mm. but we learned to walk through it. And really what we did was we committed and we said divorce is never an option. Yeah. And at the beginning, we just said, we, we'll never let that be an option. So we no matter have what to make happens, ourselves work through it. Yeah. No yeah. matter what happens, no matter how ugly this gets, we're yeah. going to figure it out. And it was ugly. Wow. You know, and, and we were honest with that too. That's good. So we didn't try to pretend that our marriage was wonderful. And we didn't try to pretend that, you know, we, we're on the other side of this issue. No struggles. No. And and so we we had to work through it. And we, had, and we sought out... Um, different avenues of mm-hmm. healing and learning to deal with our brokenness because mm-hmm. we both have very 
dysfunctional past. Mm -hmm. And God began to to lead us to people who did prayer, mm. where they prayed inner healing prayers over you, and mm. and where Jesus would come and expose lies that we believed yeah. and break strongholds over our minds. And um, and as we began to get healing, we're like, man, this is great. Yeah, we we want this for others, and we mm-hmm. began to minister to other people. That's really cool. Um, and that's how it all began, and we've been doing that ever since. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, that even your story brings up a couple of questions that I think are really common right now. One being, um, it's really popular right now to be a Christian and be gay. That there's like nothing wrong with that. So yeah. for you, I just was curious as you were came to know the Lord, how did you know you had to leave your gay lifestyle? Like, what was it that brought you to that? Yeah. Um, I think one was just intuitively, I knew deep mm-hmm. down inside. Um, it, when I was living that life, I sensed that it was wrong. And mm-hmm. people say, well, that's because you were uh, raised, you know, to believe that was a sin. I'm like, no, I really wasn't. In <laughs> fact, when I came out, my friends embraced me unconditionally. My yeah. family loved me. So I'm like, no, nope, that wasn't it. And I didn't have a Christian I didn't have a Christian culture that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have didn't any have of that. those no, premeditated no, no, like, no. thoughts. No. So, I mean, it was almost immediate. There was just an intuitive sense that this is not God's will for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also believed, well, I, I'm just kind of, I'm going to be a eunuch for Christ. You yeah. know, I'll just, I'll be a missionary and pour out my whole life because, uh, you know, this is, I, I just thought, well, I'll just, I'll struggle with this the rest of my life, but I'm not going to act on it. And, yeah. I, and I remember I was reading first Corinthians chapter six and it was verses nine through 11. I re- and I read verse nine and it said, know you not that such will not inherit the kingdom, no drunkards, nor liars, nor adulterers, nor uh, swindlers, uh, nor homosexuals will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got four out of five. Like <laughs> this is bad. Yeah. Um, but I kept reading and that's what we have to do. A lot of times we, we stop and we got to keep reading And verse 11 said, and such were some of you, but you are washed and sanctified by the blood of his son. Mm. And I thought there were gay people in Corinth wow. and they changed because he said, were past yeah. tense, were some of you. So hope came alive in my heart. I'm like, Oh, I can change. Mm. And so for me, that was never an option. Yeah. And, And for me, I don't like labels anyways, Mm -hmm. you know, like some people say uh, you're ex-gay or you're this or that. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I I only want one label and I'm his. Um, So I don't quite get, you know, this gay Christian. And it's kind of interesting that it's gay comes before Christian. You know, we've made it such a part of our our identity, identity, you know, and we're so much more complex than our sexuality. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Uh, so I, I, for me, I it was never an option. Yeah, and um, you just knew from that that point of yeah. encountering Jesus and getting to know Him, it was like there was no other way. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah, because I know that's something that is a very big thing right now, even talked about, and it is confusing. It's very complex. It's not simple, but it it is. You know, like, yeah. it, and even from hearing from someone who came out of that, it's different hearing it from you than from me saying. Oh yeah, like you have to come out of it. It's like you know what I mean. Like I think that resonates with people differently than yeah. like hearing it from somebody who's never struggled in that area, right? right? But that's and, cool. And I think the thing too is that we we have this mindset that um, like we're not supposed to be stagnant in our walk with Christ. Like mm-hmm. He's 
always transforming us, yeah. right? He's always calling us to come away from things. Yeah, right? whatever it might be. Anything that hinders our relationship with him and with yeah. others. So he's constantly, like it says that we go from glory to glory. Like we're not supposed to stay the same. Mm-hmm. So transformation is the norm in Christian walk. Yeah. Um, so why wouldn't it be normal in this area? Yeah. Right? True. It's It yeah. applies across the board exactly. with whatever sin people struggle with. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. We also want to just even touch on masculinity yeah. um, because I just in knowing you, I've heard you talk a lot about that and true masculinity and what that looks like. And I know that um, even in our generation right now, that is also under attack, yes. um, this idea of toxic ma- masculinity. And in some ways, it's actually crippling men from becoming men. Exactly. And so I just was curious, what what would you have to say about what is masculinity like in God's eyes? Yeah. Well, I, and it was, this was something I really had to, to, to wrestle with because yeah. I felt so insecure in who I was as a man mm-hmm. because I was creative, sensitive feeling. I figured that was not masculine. Yeah. Okay. So I equated masculinity with just physical strength and being strong and unemotional, mm-hmm. but that's a wrong view of masculinity as well. Mm-hmm. That, so it's, it's like, there's two wrong views. Yeah. Um, so I was, I had to wrestle with that and I had to kind of come to a place of peace within my own heart of who I was as a man. And I had to, to do that. I had to figure out what biblical masculinity was. Wow. And so really Jesus is our example mm-hmm. of perfect masculinity, mm-hmm. recognizing that God is both feminine and masculine. He made man and woman in his image. Yeah. So he carries within himself both aspects Mm -hmm. where he kind of split it up with us, you know? And uh, so the truth is we do, we are different. Our brains are wired differently. Uh, We have different hormonal systems, Mm -hmm. right? Men have testosterone, a lot more of it, which makes us a little more aggressive. Mm -hmm. But God made us that way. Mm -hmm. That, That wasn't a fluke or a evolutionary accident. Yeah. Like he created men to initiate. Hmm. He really did. He created us to be initiators. And again, not that women can't be initiators, but it's in us to initiate. Hmm. And we see that in Jesus's life. We see that in, in great men of God that they, they were not afraid to initiate. Yeah. Um, And they, the meekness is strength under, uh, under control, under restraint. So, so that, he calls us to that kind of life. Yeah. And I remember one day the Lord challenged me. I was actually teaching on masculinity and he just quietly spoke to my heart and he said, Tom, what was the most masculine thing Jesus ever did? Hmm. So I just started thinking through the Bible stories, you know, the gospels and, and I thought, Oh man, that time he just went into the temple and he cleansed the temple and tipped those tables <laughs> over and made a whip and chased the people out. And my house, my father's house will be called a house of prayer. And I thought that was the most masculine thing. And then he challenged me and he said, no, Tom, the most masculine thing he did was when he stretched out his hands mm. and allowed men to take his life. Wow. He laid down his life. Mm. That was true masculinity. That was strength under restraint no on such a level yeah. we can't even fathom, yeah. right? Because he could have called down a legion of angels and blown them all oh, away. Oh, yeah. He could have just spoken and they would have, you know, their cells would have come gone. apart, you yeah. know? But he didn't do that. And that's that's really what true masculinity is. It's strength that's willing to lay down its its strength 
for the other. Wow. Right. And that applies to men, no matter if you are artistic or if you are like a sports person, like yes. th- that definition of masculinity yes. goes further than our idea that we as a culture typically have in our head of what makes a man, a man. Totally. It's actually strength, but laying down. One's yeah. Life. Cause I'm still a creative. I'm yeah. an artist. I, I love music. I, mm-hmm. you know, I still cry when I watch movies, you mm-hmm. know, that will never change, and I don't want it to change. No, it shouldn't. But I don't expect that to, of all men. No. You know, so we're we're not all the same, mm-hmm. all men. Yeah. But I'm comfortable being a man now, mm-hmm. and I'm comfortable in the company of men. Mm-hmm. And I really get so upset when I just see men being attacked and calling healthy masculinity toxic. Yeah. Um, and the truth is women want strong men. Yeah. Yeah, deep, deep down, down inside. Oh, they, yeah. You know, they're hearing the rhetoric all the time. But the truth is they want a strong man. But they mm-hmm. want a man who's willing to lay down his life yeah. for them. For sure. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I mean Paul, uh, Paul's very clear. Husbands, lay down your wives like Christ laid down his life for the church. Mm. So, but they don't want a weak man. Yeah. They, they want someone strong. It's true. Yeah. Even as a strong woman, that's something that I looked for. Like my husband is not in any way like domineering or if people know him, he's kind of a quieter guy, yeah. but I wanted someone who is stronger than me and he is that, right? Yeah. And so that is true. As women, we do, we look for someone who's going to be strong and we do want someone else to lead, not because we can't, but we want to submit. Like deep down, we want to submit to our yeah. husbands. Yeah. It's true. Um, yeah. Another question I just had was as women, because most of our listeners are women, how, um, how can we support men in their masculinity instead of kind of attacking them in that area or cutting them down or different things? How is women, can we support men in that journey of their manhood? Yeah. I think, um, you know, you, you there's, you know, the, all about the five love languages, yeah. right. Um, and different people have different love languages, but I think all men, all men, uh, need affirmation Mm. and 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 there's something in deeply in us that want to know that we're good enough and Mm. that we're loved and appreciated and um i'll never forget my wife was reading love and respect and um i was not at a place at that time to really be working on myself yeah but she was talking to god and um in the book she read you know tell your you know this is a little test tell your husband um you respect him and then he will respond for what? Mm-hmm. And then you better have an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Like a very specific thing about what you respect him for. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was like, I was like a lamb led to the slaughter. <laughs> she, uh, one day I was walking out and I had no idea she's reading this or doing this. And she goes, I just want you to know, I respect you. And on cue, I said, for, for what? what? <laughs> and she's like, Wow, it's true. And she had something ready and she told me. And I walked out. I'm not kidding you. It was like I was walking on air. Mm. Um, so there's a deep need for men to be respected and, and honored. For specific um, things. Not for just specific like, hey, things. I respect you. Yeah, not a general thing. Mm. And and so I think that's what men look for. Um, they don't, I don't believe deep down inside, just like women deep down inside want a strong man. I don't think men deep down inside want to dominate the woman in their yeah. life, they want partnership, That's right? True. Um, but they want to be appreciated for the strengths that they do carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it might be hard to find that in yeah. your man at this time. Yeah. But I think that in doing that, it breaks down walls and barriers that have been in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one last question we had was just, 
what would you say? Because like you even shared about uh, being sexually abused. And I think there are a lot of women who are also sexually abused. So yeah. then their view towards men is through that lens. Yes. So my question to you would just be, what, what would you say to women who don't trust men or their view of men is tainted by that specifically? How can they kind of work through some of that? Right. So when we go through something that painful and that violating, it, it is a deep wound to our soul. So yeah. we, we really have to deal with the, the wounding that came as a result of that. One of the things that in my head, the lie that I believed, it was a stronghold, was it was my fault. Somehow mm-hmm. I invited this somehow. And and Jesus had to break the lie over mm-hmm. that. Like no four-year-old or eight-year-old wants no. to be abused, right? No. So I had to break that lie. Likewise, in women, I think the lie that comes in women is all men are this, mm. all men are that. They're inner vows yeah. that we make that we repeat over and over in our mm. head. Mm-hmm. And the truth is all men are not that. Mm-hmm. Are some men, yes, maybe even a lot of men, yeah. um, just in the broken world we live in, but not all men are. Mm-hmm. And so I think just sitting with Jesus in that pain and in that place, say, Lord, just show me, are there any inner vows I made in my heart? Mm-hmm. And and help me to forgive mm-hmm. the men that have hurt me. And that includes, you know, men that have whistled at them, cat called them, touched mm-hmm. them inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we have lived in a society where that was it's the norm. Normal. Yeah. It's, it's getting less and less, mm-hmm. but it's still there. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that all men are not like that. Yeah. And there are a lot of men rising up and saying enough is enough. Mm-hmm. We can't treat women. You're not an object. Mm-hmm. You're made in the image of God. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that, that has to happen. There has to be a moment where you, you come to the realization that some men did this, but not all men are like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of the toxic masculinity talk is coming out of those places of her. Yeah. Yeah. So men got to own it. Men have to own that. For sure. And they have to ask for forgiveness for the way I, what we do is we lead men in times of repentance mm. and we, we, we tell them we have to repent for the ways we've dishonored women. Mm. Every time we've made an object of them, we dishonored yeah. them. Yeah. And, uh, and men are quick to do it. I, I mean, I, I help men. It's if you would have told me 30 years ago, I was going to help men learn how to be men. I would have laughed in your face because <laughs> you I was so insecure. Yeah. yeah. But the truth is I can lead men into that because of the healing that I've received. Mm, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. And I even, your book is really powerful. The book, Pure Heart, for those listening, um, it takes you through kind of you guys' journey, but then also some steps towards inner healing for yeah. people and like places to write in it. So I even will include a link to um, the book on Amazon. But yeah, I would encourage you as listeners to grab a hold of that book because that is one way to start. If you don't have people around you um, to help you through inner healing, I would encourage you to grab that book and it can take you through some initial steps towards inner healing um, and some breakthrough in that area. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Tom, thank for you. sharing with us. This is all really good stuff that um, I believe is on God's heart too. So thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you again later. Thanks for tuning in to the She's Capable podcast. Please review us. And if you like what you hear, subscribe. We also want to let you know that we have a free ebook out called Becoming the Best Version of You. To download this free ebook, follow the link in the episode notes below. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time.